I know from experience that executing customer success can make or break any business, especially when you're scaling. Knowing where the customer success journey begins, how to initiate a customer success program, and knowing the right time to bring customers and developers together are the keys to success you'll gain on this episode of Dev Interrupted. My guest, Sunil Mavadia, has been building and growing customer success programs at software companies for over a decade and is now the Director of Global Architecture at CloudBees. This episode is sponsored by Linear B. Give your dev team the power to improve with team-based metrics, high-risk code alerts, and the world's first project board based on real-time Git activity. Sign up free at LinearB.io. Sunil, thanks for joining us today. Welcome. Glad to be here. Awesome. Yeah, so happy to have you um, on the pod today. And I want to just dive right into our first topic because we have so many awesome things to talk about today. And, you know, what I am seeing in our industry right now, I think one of the biggest problems with engineering organizations today is the lack of customer insight. If I could get my devs closer to the customer, then I can, you know, make better decisions. We can implement better features. And therefore, at the end of the the day, you know, build a better product. And then that's what everybody, you know, wants to do. Um, What are some effective ways to bring the customer into the engineering department? Excellent question, right? So the the biggest issue we see some uh, a lot of times right is that a product is developed by engineers without feedback from the field so i always say you know one one thing that you really need to do is shorten the feedback loop by having your product management or senior support cs customer success team members right having a regular one-on-one with your customer. Now, what does that do, right? One, it ties together the customer success person with the engineering person or product management person, right? Um, and, and, and the customer at the end says, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And in direct fashion, the engineering and PM folks can then react to that feedback, right? Um, Today, you might have the typical handoff from a customer success person to a product manager who then takes it to engineering. And then there's that, oh, hey, can you go clarify X, Y, and Z with the customer, right? Put them all together, shorten the feedback loop. Have a one-on-one call. Why is that so difficult? It shouldn't be in this day and age, right? Um, So that's that's one way. Um, The other thing that I know I've experienced firsthand is really you've got to create technical champions, right? And stay in touch with them. It's not a simple task because one, people move from company to company. You know, you might engage with one person at a specific company uh, and you start building a relationship and they move on. It happens. But the idea is to always identify who those champions are at your customer base and really foster a relationship. You have to stay in touch, keep in touch, you know, just build a solid foundation where they are comfortable coming to you for anything and everything regarding your product. And last but not least, I think is improve the documentation. You know, this is the documentation that comes from the product side. Um, And this way, the customer 
gets what they're needing directly without too much churn. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, customer success, it, the idea of CS is really to reduce the amount of churn that you have, you know, <laughs> uh, to, to the company. Yep. You bring up a really good point. Why is it so difficult? You know, you think it's just like, hey, let's get on. I'm going to call the customer. I'm going to bring the devs on the call. Let's talk about the features. But that doesn't seem to always be happening. And I actually have an example. We had this great developer. His name was Matt Bachman. This was at the last company I worked with. It was called CloudLock. And, you know, he was a developer. He was super sharp. He was creating a feature. I think it had something to do with, you know, finding, we were doing security, finding sensitive information within documents. Right. And we were having our customer user group. And that's where we flew in all these customers, big time customers to our headquarters. We were doing presentations and we had Bachman, we used to call him Bachman. We had Bachman do a presentation from a yeah. developer standpoint. How is he finding, you know, the sensitive information? What's he working on now? What's in beta? What's the features that are coming uh, next? And that right. was our number one session of the entire user group. Yep. The customers, you know, they treated him amazing. They asked detailed questions. They wanted him to demo the beta features. And there was this amazing interaction and kind of like the, the walls got broken down and we could create, you know, an amazing feature. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, my, my experience is nothing negative happens when you do this yet, you know. No, it's, it's very true, right? The customer journey begins uh, when, when a customer realizes they need something significant to make a significant change in the way they work, right? And so they contact you um, as a company because you either have the product or the feature that they're looking for, right? And quite frankly, when we talk about customer journey, it's really not something that happens post-sale. It happens on first contact. Right. right. That contact comes in when you're looking at the customer or the prospect saying, hey, uh, Mr. Prospect, look, you are looking for this thing, but look how great our product is, right? But ultimately, as a dev team lead, right, all your changes are usually tied to something, a feature, you know, or, or something that that customer wants, right? Uh, and if you look at how those features are developed, um, getting that customer feedback is so ultimately important. Right? And so the way you described it and how it was set up for Bachman, uh, that was a prime, uh, that, you know, it was, it was the best way to get that feedback, right? Get it, showcase what you're working on, and then improve from, 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 the, from the feedback that you got. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. I mean, the customer journey doesn't necessarily start like when I'm using the product or, or po post sales. No. But, you know, if I put myself in the shoes of a dev team leader, you know, why do you think I should care about this success journey? 
But I mean, ultimately, if you, if, if uh, you fail to deliver as a development person, right, if you fail to deliver the features that a customer needs, your company is going to fail and thus you won't have a job, right? There's, there's a cause and effect, right? <laughs> it's as simple as that. <laughs> it's as simple as that, right? So one, why are you not listening to what people want and giving them that, right? Uh, that should ultimately be your goal. But at the end of the day, customer journey basically means, look, I am looking out for your success, Mr. Customer, right? And the best way to do that is to begin this journey when you start talking to us at the very beginning, right? And then let us help you get on your journey and provide you with the best of service, with the best of product, with the best of breed, right? Best of people. <laughs> right, we always talk about just a product or a tool or a, or technology. It's really not just about that. It's really about the people as well that are supporting that. Well, here, here's the thing, right? If I'm a if I'm a dev team leader and I'm responsible for creating a great feature, mm-hmm. I need to know what is the customer experiencing before they even hit my feature. Exactly. What did they see on the website? How, did they interact with sales first? Maybe they yeah. did, maybe they didn't. What did they talk about during that conversation? Because or, yeah, go ahead. Or, or they even have tried a different product with a similar feature that didn't fit what they're looking for, right? And so what their experience has, that, that sort of an experience can also lead to you know, a negative experience. In other words, look, I was looking for this new WizBank thing that lets me build my application in such a way, right? And I've tried product X and it kind of does it, but it doesn't. But, you know, let me go see what this other company has, right? Uh, But I want to make sure that I don't touch the bad parts of that other product then, right? (laughs) So that negative um, experience can also be portrayed on your contact. And that's something you have to mitigate as well. That's, that's a great tip. I'm going to shift topics on, on us a little, a little bit here. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of premise it with this, you know, it doesn't matter what size company you are, right? Whether you're a small company, you might be a big company. At some point, customer success has to be done and it needs to be done well. You know, larger companies, they probably have, you know, departments that are fully dedicated to to customer success. But some of those companies that are growing rapidly, I mean, that's where we're at with Linear B, like this rapid growth. Mm -hmm. It's also it's often like a pain point to have great customer success. And so my question to you is, how do you begin um, to structure a customer success initiative you know, at scaling uh, companies? That's a, that's an interesting question, right? So when I first, and, and I always talk about my experience, it's, it's, it's not an easy do X, Y, and Z. And you, there's far more better customer success people out there than, than myself. Right? It's never easy. <laughs> yeah, it's never easy. Right. And, and, and every customer success person, has a different outlook or agenda, right? 
But to scale customer success, I think you have to keep a few things in mind. One, what is your product outlook look like, right? And what kind of people are you supporting? So um, in, in my past experience, you know, technology companies in general, um, the customer success organization could be a pre-sale, post-sale type of organization, right? Uh, but primarily the CS folks, I think have to have some technical capability. Yeah. Right. Uh, and in today's age, it's probably not difficult to find that sort of mix, um, you know, but you also find that if you don't have that technical capability and you're actually selling or supporting a technical product that you lose effectiveness because if you bring in a person, a customer success person that only has the business aspect of it, yeah. then the people that you're talking to who, are, who may be technical or are technical, they're like, okay, you're not giving me any value, right? And so they quickly lose interest. That's right. I mean, I think we've just in general in our industry seen a shift towards everybody needs to get more technical. Yep. Customers appreciate people that can solve problems. It's no longer Absolutely. like a thing where it's like, let me dress up in a suit. I don't know. And take you. Yeah. Well, I guess I was going to say take you <laughs> golfing. I don't think you dress up in a suit to play golf. Let's go on the golf course for 18 holes. Right. No, it's like, I, I have a problem. I need a technical solution. Exactly. Um, exactly. In my current role today, I do. I do exactly that. Right. So I have to wear a lot of hats. Yeah. It is not uncommon to go and have a conversation with a CIO, right? Uh, and then have a converse, conversation with the CFO around the business aspect of it and then drill down all the way down to the developers that are actually using the product, right? And so you have to have that broad outlook and the ability and capability to contact switch from a business conversation to a technical conversation. Yeah, I want to ask you a little bit, you know, if you have insights into kind of like the engineering structure that goes well with customer success. And I'll give you an example of what I did in the past. I'm not saying this is the best or the worst that worked for us. Yeah. But what I actually did when my engineering team was scaling fairly rapidly is we designated one developer. They they would raise their hand and say, I want to do this. One developer on every team that would ensure they're always staying in touch with a particular customer success person mm-hmm. so that we're staying close to the customer, we're staying technical. If that customer success person needed a technical solution, they know exactly the developer who to go to. Who to, go to. Yep. And I found that that model worked. Um, you know, we, we were scaling from like 30 to 80 developers at the time. And yeah. that, that model worked pretty well. Yeah. Um, are there any models that you've seen that, you know, kind of work well? You know, I think, again, it all boils down to the company and its size, right? Yeah. And this is, it's easier to do exactly what you said uh, for smaller companies. And it works brilliantly. The problem is when, as you increase in size, you know, the engineering resources get sucked up in different things. How, how does that um, model work? It probably doesn't. What I always say is, look, uh, try and use a pod mentality, right? When I say pod mentality, kind of know who you need to go to 
to get information to get to the right person. Okay. Right? So if you're a customer success person right, and your customer has asked for feedback from engineering, um, maybe you have one engineer in contact that's, can, that can direct you to the right people because not everybody has a list of, you know, engineering contacts for doing specific things, right? Or specific right. engineering arenas, right? Yeah, we actually had that at our size. We had, hey, if you need this, here's your contact. Go if to you this that, here's your contact, yep. Yep. And so, you know, depending on the size, it's, it's easy to do if you're small, but, you know, you're mid to, to, to large enterprises, that's almost uh, impossible to do, right? So I say always, as a customer success person, uh, find out who your engineering resources are, right? Build your relationships there. Who are your, uh, you know, product management, product engineering resources and build your relationships there. Then you know who you need to go to, you know? Um, and as long as, as long as you're productive and you have decent relationships, people are going to help you get to where you need to go right? and get that information to your customer. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Um, and kind of like continuing the mindset of how do we meld engineering and customer success to be more of one. Um, I wanted to ask you about metrics and, you know, kind of what are the metrics that you use to understand if, you know, I guess your team is successful Mm-hmm. And I'm also wondering, maybe we could share some of these same metrics between engineering and, and customer success. So what do you use today? And, and you're talking about specifically customer success metrics? Yeah. Uh, I mean, come on, you know, customer success metrics, everybody knows, you know, your, your uh, what is it called? Your scores, your customer, NP. NPS. NPS, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and those vary between different customer success product as well, right? And, and so it all depends on how you judge that. Um, so NPS scores, for one, I say, you know, keep it simple. One is the business side, the customer satisfaction side. And these are, when I say business side, who's writing the check to pay for your product? Yeah. Is that person happy? Who's putting up the money? Who's putting up the money, right? Because if, if, if uh, at the end of the day, the technical guys are saying, hey, um, you know, nine out of 10, I love your product, but your product is too expensive. And there is another product here that we're using as well that kind of does the same job, right? And then on the business side, the guy is going, well, the technical guys like your product, but I don't see any value in spending, you know, 2x more on your product when I can get pretty much the same functionality on this other product. So your NPS, you know, your, 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 your CS scores vary, right? And they will differ. And so one, you have to stay on the good side of the people that write the checks. So that's, there's a, a business aspect to the metrics that you gather there. Then of course, there's the technical aspect that you need to gather. And, you know, the technical side you, is easy to decipher. You know, you can go down to the feature level and what's being used and how often is it being used, right? Yes. Those kind of things you can capture and gather stuff on. But I think the business side is a little more, a little bit more difficult 
I gotcha. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm under the, the mindset and I wanted to pr- propose this to you. If the engineering team monitored and took on metrics of success for themselves that were aligned with the customer success team. So what do I mean by that? You know, like engagement metrics of the product, usage metrics of the product. Right. If we shared some of the same metrics together, wouldn't we come out with a better or happier customer at the end of the day? Have you, you know, have you ever seen the sharing of a, of a metric? between success and engineering? Oh, absolutely, right? So today, uh, in my current role, we, we capture information around the usage of features, right? Yep. And that is a direct translation as to how good your product is doing in the field or not, right? If I put a feature out there uh, and I had 100 customers and only two customers are using it, why did we even develop that feature in the first place? My target, as I always say, is the 85-15 rule or 85-20 rule, right? 80% of my customers should be using my new feature when I release my new version of the product. Right. They Or at least have some say in saying that, hey, I know I will use this feature at point X because I know I love it. I had some uh, input into development of this feature, right? And so we know it's going to be used. Well, yeah, I think like a metrics can kind of be the ultimate connector. If the engineering team also had that goal that, okay, you know, the feature that we're creating, we want at least 85% of the customers to be using that. Well, now we can have a good conversation. Are we below that metric? Okay, if we're below that metric and customer success also is using that metric, now let's talk about it. What's happening here? What happened? Why Why did we fail or why are we not reaching that metric? Right. You know, what are the changes we need to make to to ensure that we get to that, uh, you know, that amount of usage, right, for that particular feature? So, good, good point. And and if we don't share that metric, then we're kind of disjoint. It's like, okay, engineering <laughs> doesn't care about you know this eighty five percent usage or or engagement. Now, I yeah. would think customer success. I mean, you all are going to rely on us, right, to, to build these great, great features. Now you're kind of on an island alone. Like, what do you do? Yeah. That's, that, I think, is, is a fundamental problem in products that die eventually, right, where engineering um, is building products in an island, you know, and not getting feedback or not providing the capacity to gather those metrics, right? So you can develop a, a kick-ass product and you know, if you're not putting the fundamentals behind being able to capture the metrics that you need, uh, that's also a bad thing. So you're, you, you know, as, a, as an engineering development lead, I'm like, okay, here's feature X. How do we capture some metrics behind it that will lead us to say this is being used or not being used? Right. Uh, and what kind of changes would we need to make? Yeah. I mean, you know, from, from the engineering perspective, you know, we want the product to be successful. We want customer success to be successful. Yeah. But I think, you know, we never get formal training about that. Nobody yeah. ever teaches us that, you know, when we go to the computer science comp sci degree, yeah. you know, go and study. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, what are some things that you know dev team leaders can do to help customer success teams be more successful? 
Uh, so, so that's a brilliant question, Dan. So I think uh, one experience I had was we would actually bring the dev team leaders uh, lead, right? Or a UX, UI expert lead on our trips on customer visits. Wow. Right. And that made such an impact uh, on the product itself that, you know, it, it changes the face of the product because one, the customer has actually a face-to-face, like you can sit on a call all day long, right? But the minute you actually meet somebody who has a direct impact on changing the product the way you would like to use it is an amazing, amazing um, impact to the customer. You know, it just changes the way your relationship works with the customer. I can 100% back you up on that because I was in a situation, we were working with a, a big company called Seagate. You know, they're oh, making yeah. like hard disks and, and hardware and all of that. And we had a, a great champion o- over there. Her name was Rosemary. Um, but of course, they, they were one of our biggest customers. They were stretching yep. our scale, stretching what we could do, you know, uh, technology-wise on the engineering side, product-wise, pushing us forward. And yep. we get we did get to a little bit of a point where, you know, they were happy early on, a little bit less happy as, you know, things started to scale out not so well. Yep. And I offered to the customer success person, I was living at Boston in the time, I'll go out with you and yep. meet with Rosemary from uh, Seagate. I'll go to the, yep. the West Coast. And yep. we did that trip together. It was myself. I was the engineering leader. It was the cu- customer success person. And it was our champion at Seagate. Yep. And we sat down in a room. I explained what was going on, the challenges that we were facing, also what we were doing to solve the problems, the next features. Yes. And we turned that account around 180 from, okay, we're a little bit disappointed with you to, we love you. I understand what's going on in the background now. Great. Yeah. Can I give, you know, feature insights? Yeah. Um, you know, what could we do to help with the load load situation? And that totally worked. Yeah. Yeah. No, done it. Been there, done it before, right? Had a very similar situation with a company, a very, very large company starts with an A, ends with an X. Uh, financial company, right? They do credit cards. <laughs> yeah. and, and so this was a similar situation. The only way to deal with this really was to get them introduced to the engineering needs that have a direct impact on the way the product works, right? Discuss it, solve the problems, and go from we hate your product to we love your product, right? Over one meeting. Uh, you know, maybe it took more than that, but the point is that you changed the way they were thinking about the company and the product as a whole. So, yeah, I mean, I guess to summarize what we can really do, the engineering team can do for you is to be there with the customer and to offer to be there and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of give our dev voices what, what can make you successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's an essential ingredient to having a successful product, to having a successful company, you know, when you have uh, engineering leads be part of that conversation. So Neil, this has been a a great talk. We could probably talk about it for hours. Um, You know, for our listeners, 
if they did want to learn more or learn about you and your your experience, you know, sure. is there anywhere that they, they can go to do so? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm on LinkedIn. Twitter handles the same first and last name, right? Uh, but at the same time, uh, look up software delivery, uh, you know, automation, uh, you know, point you to, to the company I work at today. Um, but we are all about exactly the things that we've talked about today. You got to remember customer success is tied to people and the product that you sell right today. And if your customer is not happy with any one of those things, it's very difficult to be successful. So, you know, I always tell people like customer comes first. I don't care what your other focus is. <laughs> you know, you may be an engineer, you may be a support engineer, you may be the janitor, the customer still comes first, right? And so you by default are a customer success person. Awesome. Thank you, Sunil, for uh, joining Dev Interrupted uh, today. We were so happy to have you. My pleasure. My pleasure. And for our listeners out there, uh, be sure to check out the Dev Interrupted blog. It's on linearb.io, or you can search on Google. And also, we have an amazing Dev Interrupted Discord community where we're having these types of conversations every single day. And Sunil is going to join us on one of our Ask Me Anythings on Fridays where you can actually interact with him. Um, And so in order to join that community, just check out the links below. Thanks, everyone.